Happy Resurrection Sunday, however you want to say it. But I want to just say it to you this way. Today is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, we pray that each and every one of you are doing well. It's been a few weeks now since we've been having service um, in the sanctuary here while you're home watching it, but I want to just continue to encourage you that there's no, there's no distance in the spirit that although we're here in the church and you're there at home watching this, or if you're watching it later on, wherever you're at, I want you to begin to just invite the presence of God into your living room, into your car, your bedroom, wherever you are. Now, you know, today is a very special day. Today's Easter Sunday. Today is the Sunday that we as Christians, that we celebrate that our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he resurrected from the dead. You know, I know that we take this one day of year, this one day each year to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But I think that it is very important for us to understand that this is something that we should be mindful of always, every day. You know, each and every day, I don't know about you, but there are times that I completely miss it. I sin, I'll mess up, I'll fall short of the grace and the glory of God once again. And it's in those moments that I'm thankful for the cross. But not only am I thankful for the cross because he shed his blood to forgive me of my sin, I'm thankful that our Jesus has defeated death by resurrecting from the grave. That he shed his blood to forgive us, but he resurrected to defeat death once and for all. So I want to encourage you this morning that wherever you are, I want you to just close your eyes right now and just begin to worship Jesus from the bottom of your heart. Just begin to think about who you were without him, what you used to do, what you used to be without him, and begin to just let gratitude overflow in your heart. You know, the Bible says, let us come into his courts with thanksgiving and enter into his gates with praise. And Lord, you are worthy of our worship today. Lord, you are always worthy. But today's a very special day, Lord. We are remembering your great sacrifice, your resurrection from the dead. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you died for us. But Lord, if it ended there, there would be no salvation. There would be no hope. Lord, not only did you die, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, you resurrected yourself from the grave and you live forevermore. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in the homes of your people, wherever they are watching this today, Lord, that you are with them. And so, Father, we pray as we begin to enter into worship that you would overflow here today. Jesus, we need you now more than we've ever needed you before. Today, Lord, is a day of celebration. Today is a day of victory. Today is a day that you will receive all the glory. And so, Father, as we begin to worship you, I pray that you would rain down your presence and you would begin to move in the lives of your people. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sit. 
Christ and it's given for us all spotless sacrifice we are now redeemed ransom with his life we have now received by grace the greatest gift of love the power of the cross
the sacrifice for redemption and now I am determined to know Christ and him crucified now alive in the power and Yeah, yeah. 
In your home 
said that actions speak louder than words but I want to declare something to you today that when God speaks his words are actions amen I know as people many times we say we'll do things we promise things and we've just had to come up with a saying because too many people let us down too many people don't keep their word that yeah yeah actions speak louder than words but it's different with God isn't it because when God speaks he creates whenever he speaks whenever God says a word something has to happen and I want to declare to you today that God has spoken a word over your life God is the one that thought you up I want you to hear that that God had a thought and you were that thought that the Lord thought you up I, just stay with me for a minute that God created you he created me that one day he thought I, you know I want to have 
uh, a Robert Zanini. Yes, Pastor Bob. One day God said, I want to have a Tracy. Come on. God, one day he thought about you. He thought about me. And his thoughts became actions. He created us. But then he knew what would happen. That sin would enter in and separate us from himself. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go down and I'll show my people how much I love them that I will give up my own life on the cross of Calvary, that I will take upon their sins and their punishments upon myself. The chastisement of their peace will be upon me. And we know that that's the whole reason for Jesus coming, that Jesus, the living word of God, the seed of heaven sown into the earth, God spoke it and it happened because God's words are action. And so today we thank Jesus for his coming. We thank Jesus not only for his death, but for his resurrection. We thank Jesus for his ultimate victory over sin and death and the enemy. And so today I want you to rejoice because our Savior is alive. Amen. And he is coming again for a beautiful spotless bride without wrinkle, without blemish. The Lord is coming again. He has come. He has laid down his life. He took it back up again and he's coming back again for his church. So today we have a reason to celebrate. But for that matter, that's every single day. Welcome once again to Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, however you want to say it. We're just so thrilled that we can be with you in your homes, your car, wherever you're watching. And we just want to tell you, we miss you. We miss you. On behalf of Pastor Bob and Amanda and Pastor Justin and Tracy and the entire staff and leadership of Life Church, we love you so much and we miss you. And we want you to know that it's coming very soon, the day where we will be able to meet again. But I want to encourage you. Remember, this is only a season. Take that time with the Lord and ask Him, Lord, how can it be different when we come back? How can we reset? Amen. But anyway, let me switch gears because I'm not, Pastor Bob, I haven't preached in a while. I'm getting excited, but I got to move on so he can come up here. I know he's got a word for us. We want to continue to thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. I, I used to say this all the time, and, and, and this morning it is so fitting. John 3, 16, we all love this scripture. Well, it is God that instituted giving. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave right and so I want to talk to you real quick about tithes and about offerings although the physical uh, building of the church is closed we want you to know that we are still giving to the Lord that we're finding creative ways to do it you can mail an old-school check I mean you could do it the old-school way write a check mail it in uh, we have online platforms we have an app for the church you can go on the website you can give you can text to give I want to encourage you and challenge you in this season to be more faithful to God than you ever have been before because God is faithful to us. We know that this is but a season, and before we know it, we'll be back again meeting together. But until then, let's just continue being faithful to God. I know that God has been faithful to you. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for your family, and then we're going to receive, we're going to get ready to receive the word. Father, this morning we open up our hearts to your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the living word of God, that the word indeed became flesh and dwelt among us. And you accomplished that which 
your father sent you to accomplish. You have not returned to heaven empty and void. The word of God did not return to the father void because you were obedient. And this morning we rejoice in victory over sin and death because of what you did, Jesus. And we receive that again this morning. We remind ourselves of who we are because of what you've done. Now, Lord, we thank you today for continued protection and provision over your people's lives. We thank you, Lord, that, that even in this time of, it seems like a time of famine or drought in the land, that you are continuing to reign on your people. I declare there will be no lack in the house of God. I declare there will be no lack in the houses of your people. Your children shall be shown great favor and a distinction will be made in this season. Now, Lord, we thank you, Father, for the word today. We know that Pastor has a word for us, and we ask, God, that you would till the soil of our hearts, prepare the soil of our hearts for the seed of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, I pray that you have your Bibles. If you don't, run and get it. Open it up. Get your family and your kids. Get ready, because I know Pastor has a word for us. Amen. Good morning. It's good to have you here with us talking about the resurrection. It's resurrection day. Amen. I've had some thoughts this past week that I've never, I, I was trying to remember how many Easter messages I have preached over the years, and it's been a lot of them. But I had a thought this week that I had never considered before that I want to share with you. And so we're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with verse 29. And here's what it said. Brothers, I can tell you confidently. How many of you like to hear a confident word? I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised to him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. My title this morning is The Tale of Two Graves. Suppose you were preaching to men who had crucified Jesus, and your job was now to convince them that the man that they had crucified has now risen from the dead, what would you do? What would you say? How would you do it? I asked some of you online Friday about this, and several people responded with text messages or on social media or sent me an email. One person said, if that person told me something that only he and I knew, then I might believe it. Another person said, I would know for a fact if they had been raised from the dead if I sat down to eat with them because I know them that well. 
Another person said, if that individual appeared to many other people who knew him as well as I knew him, well then I'd know that maybe I wasn't dreaming and that I wasn't having a strange vision and that this being alive was a real thing. There were a lot of other suggestions that came in, but there were two overall conclusions that I drew from your responses. And the first one was this, that it would not be easy to convince any of us that someone we knew and loved had come back from the dead. The second thing that I figured out was that it would be much harder if we had seen that person die, especially as gruesome a death as the crucifixion, to believe that they were once again alive. It's no wonder that the disciples had such a difficult time in believing the women's message when they came running and told them that Jesus was alive and that the tomb was empty. If anything is true today in facing the pandemic virus that is sweeping across the globe, it's hard enough to watch someone you love die. It would be almost impossible to believe that that same person would come back from the dead. When I stopped and thought about this a little bit and reading scriptures, I realized something I had never realized before. Maybe I'm just slow. I don't know. But a biblical definition, by biblical definition, if I put it that way, a resurrection is a very rare miracle. See, there have been those who've been raised from the dead. Jesus raised several people in his ministry from the dead. I personally have met two individuals in my life who were raised from the dead. One of them was my age as a teenager, had been raised from the dead, and he actually had his toe tag that had been put on his toe in the morgue of the hospital where he died. But his father, a spirit-filled, Bible-believing preacher, held to a promise that God said, you promised that my son would be a preacher of the gospel. You can't take him. I call him back. And some eight hours later, he was raised from the dead. I know because he would go to show and tell during school when he was growing up, when kids would come back after summer vacation and they would have a time of sharing or telling something uh, that they wanted to share. And he would show them his toe tag where he was affirmed by the medical experts that he was dead, but now he's alive. I guarantee you those were some interesting show and tell classroom moments. But I want you to realize something that just because someone was, is raised from the dead, there is a distinction between that and resurrection. Why do I say that? Because resurrection means you come back to life never to die again. And that has only happened once, and it was almost 2,000 years ago. And that means there's no witnesses around today who were there at that event. 
So as hard as it was for them to believe it back then, it's even harder for people to believe today, but you have to just stop and consider the facts. First of all, when Christ was crucified and put in a tomb, it was what is known in the Jewish world as Passover week. There was a hustle and bustle of traveling to Jerusalem. There was the sacrifices that were required under the law that were given by God to Moses. But there was an underlying story, a buzz, if I can put it that way, of excitement that was going through the city. Because just several days before this, before the end of the week, there was a teacher, a rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. His name was Yeshua, that's his name. Christ is his title, which means anointed one. But he entered into the city earlier in the week to the shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this took place after one of the most incredible miracles of all the miracles that Jesus did in his lifetime on earth, some three plus years of ministry. And that was the raising of a well-known man named Lazarus from the dead. And he had been dead for four days. Not four hours, not four minutes, but four days. And so he came into town and there were great expectations about what was going to happen by, in this week. But by the end of the week, the story all but seemed over because Jesus was convicted of sedition condemned to death by crucifixion, he was nailed on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. And according to Mark, who is the earliest writer of the Gospels, Jesus, suffering and approaching the end of his life, repeated the first verse of Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, the rest of that verse says, why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish? And then right after that, he whispered in a cry, if I can put it that way, what John says, that Jesus said, it is finished. And in that moment, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We must stop and realize we have this scripture and we have the Bible and we have understanding from this side of the cross. But from where the disciples were and the people of that day, these disciples who had left everything and followed him for three plus years of ministry, they were dejected, they were confused, and they were not expecting a resurrection. The women who went to the tomb, the Bible says, they went with spices and, and, and the elements needed to anoint a corpse. But when they got to the tomb, instead of a dead body, they encountered an angel inside the tomb who said these amazing words, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about that in light of what's happening right now in the world, and it almost seems fitting that the story of Christianity 
was birthed in confusion rather than with clarity. He was birthed in a mystery and not with certainty. According to Luke's gospel, the disciples first treated the women's report of the empty tomb as idle tale and did not believe. According to John's writing of the gospel, his gospel, it says that Jesus' followers as yet did not know and did not understand that Jesus had to raise, be raised from the dead. And with uncertainty be, began the, the foundation, the birth of Christianity, the Christian movement, the followers of Christ, which have spread around the globe. And, and estimates rate say there's about 2.4 to 2.8 billion people. About a third of the world population has believed the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle wrote to the believers in the city of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, 4, look what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And this brings us to the very key that we must understand about the gospel message, about Christianity in, in and of itself. And that key is this, that you cannot explain the spread of the message of Christ, of Christianity, apart from the resurrection. It is impossible. Because if the bones of Jesus could be dug up in some first century tomb, then as the apostle Paul went on to tell those believers in Corinth, he said, if Christ has not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. There are many ways that I could sit here and debate or argue with you about the truth of the resurrection, but I'm going to pick two things this morning, and I want you to think about this. The first one is this, that the tomb really was empty on Easter Sunday morning. That's a simple statement of fact. That's all. When the women got there, the tomb was empty. When Peter and John got there, the tomb was empty. When the Romans investigated, the tomb was empty. When the Jewish leaders checked it out, the tomb was empty. This one fact has never been successfully answered by any of the critics of the Christian faith. Again, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, if he did not rise from the dead, what happened to his body? In fact, one of the people who responded, what would you say? Well, they responded, and I said, I would ask them, then where is his body? Oh, I know some people would say, oh, his disciples probably took his body and hid it because, you know, they thought they want to make a shrine out of his, his life or whatever. But you, you don't understand, to say something like that, you really don't understand history. Because neither the Romans nor the Jewish leaders would have taken the body. 
First of all, the Romans didn't care about Jesus one way or another. The second thing is that the Jewish leaders wanted to make sure he stayed in the grave. It was at their begging that they, the, Roman, that Ro, that the Roman governor put a Roman guard on the tomb. The disciples of Jesus had no reason to take his body because they, weren't even, they didn't even understand until after the resurrection of what Jesus had talked about before that he had to die, be buried, and then be raised again. So they, they didn't come to take his body because they didn't even understand that part. And since the Roman soldiers guarded a tomb under the penalty of death, if anyone disturbed it, there's no way that grave robbers came and could get near it. So what happened to the body? Because Jesus was in the tomb on Friday night, but he was gone from the tomb on Sunday morning. The tomb really was empty that first day of the week. The second argument that I would present to you is that Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. Jesus appeared to Mary. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to Peter and James and John and all of the other disciples. Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. And these appearances happened at different places under different circumstances over a period of a few weeks. Jesus invited Thomas to touch him and put his hand into his side where the spear had been thrust. Jesus ate fish with the apostles on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus even appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, later on, who became the apostle Paul. When Paul listed the various appearances of Christ in his letter to the believers in Corinth, in chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, it was as if Paul was presenting a legal brief in a court of law, and he was basically saying, if you doubt my word, these witnesses are all available. Check it out for yourself. On Easter Sunday, 2020, we need to keep in mind these two simple facts. And the first one is this, and that is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of our faith and the ultimate miracle. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching to the people there in Jerusalem, in verse 24, he said, God raised him from the dead. In verse 32, he said, God has raised this Jesus to life. Why did he make that emphasis twice? And that is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's stamp of approval on his son. It didn't just happen by chance that Jesus rose from the dead. God raised his son from the, de from the grave. The second perspective is this, that Jesus defeated death when he rose from the dead. Benjamin Franklin said, there were only two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. Well, we hear a great deal right now about death. It's on the headlines several times a day as we hear about those who are succumbing to this horrible virus that has swept our planet. 
And, and some would say, as tragic as that is, that we realize that death in and of itself is a natural thing. In other words, their meaning is it's just a part of life, that we live and we die. That can be from old age, it can be from tragic circumstances, but to a degree we in, in our society understand that death is a part of living. But I read something a while back by an author that made me think about this. And I want to read this to you. And here, just, just a paragraph or so, here's what he said. He said, death isn't natural. Life given to us by an abundantly generous creator is natural. Death is the enemy that separates us from ourselves, from our loved ones, and most importantly from God. It is such a curse that it required the Son of God himself to remove it so that we might live once again. I want you to stop and think about that. That he, Christ came to remove the curse of death off of our lives. It, it took Christ coming, the Son of God, to die and be buried in a tomb and suffer what we would suffer, separation from his Father because of sin. But God was so pleased, he breathed life into him and brought him out of that tomb on that third day. And he broke the curse of death. As Christians, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. I, I really like calling it Resurrection Sunday more than Easter. So many other things are affiliated with the idea of Easter. And, and a lot of them are good, that's fine. But this is really about resurrection. It is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the resurrection because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Death could not hold him. We sang it earlier in that song. Death could not hold him, could not defeat him. The, that, that alone should tell us that death is not natural and that Christ overcame death. Death came into the world through the sin of one named Adam. And victory over death through resurrection came into the world through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Again, Paul writes to the believers in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. Paul goes on and says in verse 26, he says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death for some people may be a release from pain. And in that manner, it is a blessing. But death in and of itself is the result 
of pain and suffering. The Bible says that death came into the world because of sin. And, and, and in that case, because without sin, there would not be any death. And that's why in Revelation 21, near the end of, of it all, it is recorded in Revelation 21 and 4, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. I want you to picture this for a moment. Because of Resurrection Sunday, there will be no graves dug into the hillsides of heaven. Jesus made sure of that on Resurrection Sunday. So let me go back to my original question. Suppose you were preaching to the men who crucified Jesus and you wanted to convince them that the man that they had crucified was now risen from the dead, resurrected from the dead, how would you do it? And that's what makes the challenge of Peter's message on the day of Pentecost so powerful because it's only 50 days from the time that Christ died and, and, and 50 days have gone by and he's preaching to this huge crowd of people on Pentecost who are many of, were the same people that had to come for Passover. So they're once again in Jerusalem just 50 days after the fact and many of them were the same ones who were yelling out when, he, when they were asked, what will I do with this man who is called king of the Jews? And they yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. Many of those same people who gathered to see what was going on on that Pentecost Sunday, many of those men were in that crowd. And even if there were people there who had not participated, they went along with the crowd. Maybe they weren't yelling, but they weren't saying stop. They didn't cry. If they didn't cry out, crucify him, they weren't yelling, don't do it, don't do it. So whether actively or passively, they had crucified the Lord of glory. The word had spread around town that the tomb was empty. Imagine 50 days have gone by. We know that it was 40 days that Jesus appeared to many different people. Then he ascended into heaven. Ten more days have gone by. Word has gotten around. Things are happening. People who are coming back into town since the day of that crucifixion, since the day of Passover. They're hearing the stories by those who are coming with them. Have you heard what's happened? Have you heard that there's a tomb where the man who was crucified the last time you were here, the tomb is empty and he's appeared to his disciples disciples the people don't know what to believe and Peter did something to try and convince them he told them a simple story and he quoted Psalm 16 to prove his point basically it was the tale of two different men and you can read about it in Acts chapter 2 verse 24 to 32 so here's the story in short form okay two men died one was famous one was not so famous. Both men were buried nearby. One man stayed dead. One man didn't. You can check the story out for yourself. See, Peter was referring to the patriarch David and his tomb. Everyone in Israel knew about David and knew about David's tomb. 
He was the father of Israel. He was, he was the ones that they all pointed to, the king, the, the promise of the lineage of the Messiah would come from him. And he spoke of this resurrection of, of the Christ. He predicted that God would not allow his body to remain in the grave. And he wrote it down in Psalm 16. And Peter tells the people that what David predicted hundreds of years before came to pass 50 days ago. That's what he's saying in his message as he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, that God resurrected Jesus from the dead. And Peter also tells them, we also saw him with our own eyes. Man, if you want an even shorter way to summarize it, here's a way to do it. Two men died, one man stayed dead, the other man didn't. The first man predicted it, the second man fulfilled it. David was the first man, Jesus was the second man, and God was the one who made it happen. Peter's message was brilliant in that regard. Why? Because the Jews revered three men above all. Abraham, Moses, and David. Now Abraham was buried in Hebron, a town south of Jerusalem. Moses was buried, but we know that God buried Moses, so nobody was sure where his tomb was. But everyone knew where King David's tomb was. His tomb was well known in Jerusalem, in all of Israel. So imagine Peter standing up to the people that are there, and as he's preaching, he's pointing in the direction of where David's tomb is, and he's basically saying, go there and check it out for yourself. Because what he was saying was that David, who had died a thousand years before, his body is still in the tomb. But this Jesus, whom you crucified, his body was in a tomb over here for 36 hours or so. And that tomb today is empty. In fact, Acts 2.36 says, Therefore, Therefore, every time you see the word therefore, ask what it's there for. It's a summary statement. He says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And if that statement is true, and my friends, it is. He is Lord, so we worship him. He is the Christ the anointed one, so we follow him. Years ago, I read a true story about a Muslim who became a Christian in Africa. He was asked by his friends, why did you forsake your Muslim teaching and background? Why did you convert to Christianity? Here's what he answered. Well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you don't know which way to go. There at the fork in the road were two men. One is dead, one is alive. Which one are you going to ask for directions? People today argue about religion, if any, is the way to heaven 
or does it matter what you believe or, or anything like that? Here's the simple answer that I will tell you. And that is find the religion, find the faith, find the belief system where the founder has risen from the dead and is alive and left an empty tomb and follow that direction. I want to end this resurrection Sunday message with this verse. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the message of Easter, of Resurrection Sunday, and this is the reason for our hope. He was dead. He is alive forever and ever. When the day comes that we leave this life, on that day, I want you to think about this, on that day, we'll lose everything we have on this earth, but we'll keep everything that matters the most because death cannot separate the relationship between a follower of Christ in the Son of God himself. So many people are fearful about the pandemic that is on the earth and others are fearful of the loss of income or their business. Others are fearful about government overreach or losing personal liberties. And, and I've been asked many times, how can a Christian respond to these things? And I simply go back to the word of God. And Psalms 139 and 16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That word ordained is a very powerful word, a very strong word. But I want you to stop and think of it like this. It means that every day of your life was laid out by God before you were ever born. I've heard it said this way, a child of God is immortal until their work on earth is done. In other words, God has laid out his plan for your life. And as long as we are surrendered to him, and as long as we follow him, then the voice of the risen Christ calls to us this morning in John eleven twenty five and 26. He said to the women, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. And even though he dies, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Child of God, I want to tell you this morning, you can rejoice because you have nothing to fear. For Christ the Lord is risen today. So rejoice and fear not. Because a light shines from an empty tomb. This day, this season, this moment, this resurrection Sunday. Is probably the greatest day of all the days to trust Christ with your life. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. But Jesus Christ came and died, and was buried, and is now resurrected, that neither one of us, none of us, have to stand before God for judgment. Jesus has already paid the price for that. 
And all we have to do is acknowledge that we are a sinner and we are lost without God. We have fallen short of the standards that God has. We have sinned against a holy God. But that Christ, his only begotten son, he came and lived a sinless life and he died on the cross, was in the tomb, has been raised from the dead and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And one day soon, he's coming back to bring us with him. The Bible says you have to believe that in your heart and you have to confess it with your mouth. And I would tell you, if you are not right with God, as the world is changing all around us, there has never been a better time than today to get right with God. And Jesus has already paved the path. He's already made the way. All you have to do is believe, say it, and receive what he has done. In fact, I would say don't walk to the cross. I would say run to the cross. Run with all your might. Run to him because he's, there's grace for you there. There's mercy for you there. There is resurrection life for you there. And you trust him. You surrender everything to him. You will not be disappointed. I'll leave you with his last thought. Resurrection life begins the moment that you surrender to Jesus. The Bible says that in the moment that we believe and that we receive Christ into our life, we surrender our lives to him. We say, God, I've been in control and I've messed up my life. I've sinned against you, but here I surrender to you. And the moment that you do that, the Bible says you are moved out of the kingdom of darkness where judgment awaits you and the penalty that Christ paid on the cross has now been applied to you and you have been moved into the kingdom of his almighty son and your sins are forgiven and resurrection life begins at that moment newness of life the bible speaks of being born again if you're listening right now or maybe later on this week and you want to be right with god you want to get your you want to surrender your life to jesus would you pray with me a simple prayer right now dear god in heaven i come to you this day I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your standards. And I stand condemned by my sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the Son of God, that you are born of a virgin. You lived a sinless life. You died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins. You were buried in the tomb and raised from the dead. Resurrected life brought you out of the tomb. I surrender my life to you now. Holy Spirit, 
Come into my life and teach me about Jesus. For this day forward, I am a child of God. Amen. And if you pray that prayer with me right now, your life has changed. You may look in the mirror and think nothing's changed. I'm telling you, your life has changed because your old life is gone and resurrection life has now come inside of you and you are alive for the first time since birth. Really alive. You are alive unto God. There is something incredible happening right now as you're listening. The miracle of the resurrection of Christ is now working in your life. For those of you who are believers in Christ and you already know what I'm talking about, then just give God praise right where you're at right now for that individual who's been listening, who's received Christ. There's a rejoicing that's going on in heaven because resurrection life is continuing to impact the lives of people all over the world. And I'll leave you with this last thought. It won't be long, the Bible says, that a trumpet's going to sound and we who are dead in Christ will be raised unto newness of life. But we who are alive at that moment will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will have resurrected, glorified bodies and that time is coming soon. But until that time, we are called to take the kingdom, take the message, take the gospel, and take it out to those who need to know about resurrection power. So we're going to close out this morning with this song right here called Resurrection. And I want you right now where you're at, would you just join with us in song as we sing this song together. The lyrics will be up on the screen. So sing it out loud and clap your hands and rejoice for this Resurrection Sunday is real. Jesus is alive. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet Now at His feet we bow The one who wore our sin and shame Now robed in majesty of perfect love now shines for all to see your name your name is victory all praise will rise to Christ our King your name your name
praise God for the resurrecting King is resurrecting us in this life. I want to speak a word of blessing over you on this Resurrection Sunday. Father, I thank you that you saw our desperate condition and you loved us enough to send your Son to come and live among us and to show us your love and your compassion, to show us your holiness and your justice, and to provide the sacrifice that would cover and wash away our sins before a holy God. Father, we thank you for that love. We thank you for love that we never deserve, but we receive wholeheartedly through the life of your son, Jesus. Now I speak blessing over your people. I speak blessing over your flock, Lord God. Lord, let your, your praise resonate in their, in their hearts this day and throughout this week. Lord, let your hand of favor rest upon them so that God, that even those they speak with, God, that they would have impact in their life as they share the glory of the resurrected King and the glory of the resurrection message. Father, I thank you for providing and provision for each of your people. God, if you can cause the raven to bring food to the prophet, then God, you, can, you still move in miraculous ways. And so we will just praise you and we thank you that God, nothing can separate us from your love. Father, the government may cry isolation and they may tell us that we cannot meet in groups of larger than a certain amount. But I know this, that your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are. And that God is greater than anything else that the world has known. So Father, I just speak this blessing upon your people. Let the presence of your spirit be real in their lives on this Sunday, this resurrection day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.